This week's Performance Anxiety features the preeminent Canadian power duo, The Standstills. If you're not familiar with them, get familiar with them. You won't be sorry. We talked to Johnny Fox and Renee Couture about how they met, their new album, and a few of their craziest live shows. And what does a video of a grizzly bear eating a moose have to do with all of this? It's The Standstills. Okay. Which part do you want? So I'll start it? Yeah. And then you... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Johnny. And this is Renee. We are the Standstill. And you're listening to Performance Anxiety. You think we'd get better at it? Are you about to release your third full length? Is that right? Yeah, it's it's a little bit uh, tricky because it's like it's we released a couple full lengths independently, right? Um, but that stuff has kind of been pulled out of distribution. Yeah, I was looking for it. I can't find it. Yeah, yeah. It was a uh it's kind of those those albums like we there's there's a lot of stuff on those albums we really love. Right. But, uh, it was it was kind of like an independent attempt um like where we did a lot of the recording and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I think that when we got our record deal with E1 and then we were finally able to kind of you know work with the producer we wanted to work with and then the mixer and all that stuff and uh so we we started to create uh those recordings on a higher level okay so what ended up happening is because we're still you know we're we're a newer band still breaking through in a lot of different markets um we're putting our best foot forward right now and kind of keeping the older stuff uh we're not distributing it until later like down the road when people have a chance to kind of hear where we're at now because we've progressed a lot since then so technically yeah technically this is like it's yeah it's (laughs) it's uh it will be our first full length to a lot of people so you said that you had uh self-produced them uh the first two that you had done uh was that by choice because you guys were just brand new working everything out on your own diy fashion or was it uh, just that's what you wanted to do you knew the sound you were going for College and music industry arts. Okay. We were going to school for that, like to learn to record and stuff. So mm-hmm. we were kind of using a bit of that knowledge mixed in just to see what we could do. But I, I think it was also for us, like we knew we had to put cert, like at least some recorded material together in order to route out tours, independent tours, and a chance for like promoter, uh, promoters to hear us and people to have something to go home with. Right after the show is finished, and uh, so that kind of where that's where it began, and then uh, you know we did one album was literally just we went into a cottage and hit record, and oh, recorded wow. the whole album just like live off the floor. That was it. Oh man, and then, uh, that's what we released, and uh, and it was it was a really cool experience and a really cool um, learning experience. And at the time, it was a little bit of you know we wanted it to be what we needed it to be at the time as well as it costs a lot of money <laughs> like <laughs> things we did things a certain way to to stay afloat so we could still travel to different cities to place different cities and then show people kind of like this is what we're all about cuz we when we started out it's it's all about the live show to us and it's okay. always been about the live shows so that's that's what we kind of did um, in the early stages, so it was like we we're very proud of it, um, but it's a different ball game when you get into the studio with producers that push you and uh, and like mixers that you know like that are we spend a lot of time on and uh, the other stuff was mixed actually really well, but um, just kind of more with more time and money to be able to focus the ideas into the larger scheme of what we're trying to achieve. But this is more of a, of an actual release. Hey, this is what we want to sound like. Yeah, it's now we're able to really, um, we're really able to focus on on the the path that we want to take musically and what we want 
to say on an album and, and what we want our specific sound to sound like. Independently, it's very hard to achieve engineering stuff that we would have that we couldn't do like on our own. Like if we're going for a certain sound or a certain style, and it should all just be very cohesive to what uh, what our sound is. Okay. It's uh, sometimes you have those ideas, but you can't execute them by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. So now it's now we're we're we're, we're painting the picture for everybody that we've that we've been wanting to, to paint for a long time. And you two met in school and you were studying music industry what what aspects and, and what brought you two guys together to actually start playing together <clears throat> well <laughs> we uh we were taking music industry arts it's like studying music production and that stuff as well it's like a it's kind of a two-year crash course on the industry as a whole okay and uh yeah, like a bit of law yeah songwriting yeah it's kind of a mixed bag of law everything. and songwriting that sounds like a, yeah. a, a yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's two different classes, right? Two different professors. Okay, yeah. good. That'd be the weirdest class ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Like it's a, it was a kind of a good eye opener to some of the truths of the industry, and like you kind of get um, a little bit of exposure of the smoke and mirrors behind some of this stuff, you know. Like, <laughs> so it's it was a it's a good eye opener. We just we became close friends first, and we just loved going to shows, and then uh, we I was performing solo acoustic and I was looking at trying to do, get something bigger going okay. and uh and then we jammed one day like I had drums in my place and Renee came over I didn't actually know she played the drums until like that <laughs> night and she's oh, wow. and I was, and she mentioned she played and I was like let's go let's go like let's go jam let's go make some noise and uh and then <laughs> just like it was great we wrote a song that night we recorded it and and it just from there we just uh progressed as a as a duo not so much intentionally like not looking for other players it's just we always just jammed just the two of us so we're like okay. we should like put a set together and play a show just as a duo and like hey, hey you know it, it's worked for bands like the white stripes black keys you know why not yeah yeah. yeah. You guys so, still have that song that first demo session, I guess. Yeah, yeah we, do. we, we do. have a copy of it. You ever yeah. go back and listen to it? I haven't in a long time. Well, yeah. we just like passed a like a decade, and I was like, we should release it like ten years playing together. Oh, yeah, you guys should do that for like record day, record store day, or something like that. Put that out as a vinyl and call it a day. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> that'd be pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> man, that'd be awesome. Um, so you guys got together, and uh, uh, I guess before we before we move on, how did you start playing? Like way back, Renee, how did you get into the drums? And Johnny, how did you start? Or when did you guys start playing? Was it something you had done since a kid, or was it something you picked up later on? Uh, well, for me, it was school. So we had a music teacher in like grade four, and she started everybody out by trying every instrument in the room. Oh, cool! And she just kind of went, "Which one do you like best?" And then when bands started up and that sort of thing, you got to choose your instrument. And I just kind of gravitated to drums because I think my parents took me to shows all the time when I was a kid. And I always watched the drummer and I was fascinated by it. That's awesome. And then I, I, I took lessons for a couple of months and then he let me go. So <laughs> I figured it out on my own after that. He let you go? Well, he wasn't actually a drum teacher. He was just a friend of the family. Oh. And then... <laughs> I just, he's like, there's nothing I can show you anymore. So I was like, well, okay. Okay, that it's sounds like, better. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I, I, I can't help you. That's what, my, that's what the, my dad's accordion teacher said to him when he was a kid. Like, you, yeah. you're, you're hopeless. Yeah. And he actually gave my grandmother her money back. So, yeah. All right, Johnny. That would have sounded bad. I have to fire you from lessons. I'm sorry. Johnny, what about you? How did you start playing? Uh, my 
my family has always been kind of into music. I had a, I, I have uh, three older brothers. One of my older brothers uh, picked up the guitar and he started playing it. And then I, I was like, oh, that's the, like the coolest thing ever. Like, I want to play guitar. Like, my mom, she, she played guitar for since I was a baby and like played piano and stuff. And I, I remember like just hit, like playing on the guitar, like hitting the acoustic strings when I was younger, just for the vibration and stuff. And then when I finally uh, convinced my folks to um, help me get a guitar, uh, I was like 12, 11, 12 years old. And then uh, I don't know. It's just like from there, it was just like just addictive, like. I wasn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like you're just so, so young or whatever, but yeah. so as you're, as I was kind of growing, the guitar was always just there, just like in the back sometimes. And then like, sometimes I dig into it even more. And then I started playing in a high school band and started writing in high school. And, and then uh, beyond that, like played in a couple other bands, played bass in a band for a little while. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> and uh, just, yeah, it's, since you were, I was 12. You were so much cooler than me. <laughs> I know. I was, I know. I was no. playing, like, band, band, like, classical band. And oh, he was man. in rock bands. I'm like, so cool. <laughs> so what were you guys listening to? That's how our interviews usually go. Yeah. It's, uh, You're Renee so just... cool. <laughs> Things I told Renee she needs to say about me, and it's... <laughs> Number one off the list. You're so cool. <laughs> All right, first check mark. We got that one down. So, what were you guys listening to at the at the time? What, what were you listening to in your formative years that that really influenced your music now? Mm, a lot of Canadian rock, to be honest. Okay. The radio stations here like constantly played Canadian rock. So, like Big Rack. You know, oh, I love Big Rack. The Tea Party. Yeah. And then I got into more stuff like Incubus, and then I started to get a little heavier, and I was getting into Deftones. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I was always kind of on the lighter, poppier side of things when it came to rock growing up. And then I developed a heavier taste for music as I got older, but probably the exact opposite for you. Well, I mean, my first album was Vanilla Ice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, it all started from I there. lied. Vanilla oh. <laughs> I own vanilla everything. <laughs> I, uh, I I listen to like I listen to a a lot of uh, heavier music. Like I I love grunge. I loved grunge. Like you know, uh, Soundgarden and Pearl yeah. Jam. Like I just feel like they made these classic albums, and they oh, were yeah. just like young, and it was like it was crazy. Alice in Chains, I loved, and listened to a lot of Metallica. It just, I feel like at the time I was really kind of, when I first started learning guitar or trying to pick it up when I was younger, just that heavier sound was just the popular thing. And I really dug into that. I really loved the power of it, the feel of it. And uh, and then for like the grunge stuff, for Nirvana, like to listen to a ton of Nirvana, because for me it was easier to kind of learn the song. Yeah. It's just like, three chords and the truth sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing complicated about Nirvana. Yeah. And that's so it was, uh, that was the stuff I was listening to. And then like listening to the roots of that stuff too, like, like your Zeppelin and your Sabbath. And my dad used to have a, a record collection of like the guess who and all oh. like all that stuff. So Burton I, Cummings, I love him. Yeah. Man. I did a lot of, a lot of, different variety when i was younger just just because it was all around me too my brothers were all listening to music and like but uh yeah burton cummings he's uh he's an animal oh my <laughs> god he's, yeah he, he's he'd never slowed down he was just his voice was amazing yeah. i mean i mean chad allen was good but when burton cummings took over on the guess who it was that was it you yeah. guys have uh you've done a lot of tours. you've been together for 10 years now you said yeah, first time we started jamming ten years ago. You've toured with some great bands. And I was just I was trying to find some of the amazing guys you've toured with. You've toured with the Tea Party, I'm with Earth, Our Lady Peace, uh, Sebastian Bach, which is crazy. Do you guys have any weird or crazy stories from the road? I mean, you've had ten years worth of uh, 
experience on the road. I know weird shits happened on the road. Yeah, I'll uh, most of them are animal related. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I the saddle. Oh yeah, we do have a good uh, animal yeah. story. The too. grizzly bear eating the moose is probably I, the I saw that video. I'm, I think I'm, you, your manager Amir had posted it, or, or I'd, I saw it on one of your Twitter accounts or something, and that was amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. And that was yeah. that was that actually happened. That wasn't like something you guys found and retweeted or something. No, we we did that. That was the first Facebook Live video we ever did. I'm like, well, let's try this thing out, see if it works. <laughs> I have reception. Well, yeah, man. You found a good subject for your first Facebook Live. There's a grizzly bear eating a moose. (laughs) (laughs) We're only a few feet away. This is our first Facebook Live. The next day, it's like a thousand views a minute. Oh my! Eight thousand views in like a week. Just like took off, like viral. It was insane. Did you ever, you ever put one of your songs underneath a little music bed to it? People say that all the time, but it's like. <laughs> that was that. That would have been you great. Just let it, you just gotta let it be. We thought <laughs> we thought about doing something like that, and we're like, oh, I don't know. But it was like Facebook Live, so you couldn't. We couldn't actually. Yeah, you can't. Oh. We have to a new video. It's if we did it on YouTube, we might have actually seen like a couple bucks. Oh, too, but we, we couldn't monetize <laughs> Facebook Live. That's true. Oh God. man. Shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, live and learn, man. Next time, you just get two phones out next time you see a grizzly bear eating a moose. Someone yeah. YouTube it. Someone Facebook Live it. We'll just do every platform. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Somebody will give you some money on something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was your Seattle story? Oh, yes. No, that was Cleveland. Was it Cleveland? It was Cleveland. Oh, okay. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> so this is actually... It's, it only happened a few weeks ago <laughs> when we were on tour with Sebastian Bach in Cleveland. We had this like, this like, I don't know, third song in, uh, and we actually we finished the third song, and and Renee is like pointing to the side of the stage, um, where there's like this like group of girls there, and she's like, "Is everything okay? It's everything like." Sometimes it's hard for me to see what's happening because it's like we're doing so many different things or whatever on stage. Right. But she saw something. There was like some sort of fighting going on. And then she's like, uh, I guess they calmed down. And Renee was like, you know, like, we don't want any fights here. We're here to have a good time. Like, you know, like, it's not what this shit's about. You know, like, so everything was cool. And then we started this song, the next song, and it was like second verse and when... All of a sudden, there's this fucking lady <laughs> climbing up on the stage, and I'm like, "What? Security? Security? There's like, I wouldn't. I honestly, I wouldn't even care. But she's climbing up with like the monitor. Everything is all plugged in, like the pedal, all the guitar pedals and stuff. And it's just like I'm seeing how drunk she is. Like, oh, it's like watching falling on stuff, like. Pushing stuff, I'm like, no. Oh my god! I'm for security to, to like help us out, and security was like stuck around the other side of the stage. Oh god! So she, so I have to stop the song. Like I'm like, I have to stop because she's like trying to reach for the mic and stuff. I'm like, I have to stop, and I'm <laughs> we're trying to do something here. <laughs> oh my god! And she grabs the mic, and security's finally like up on stage. She grabs the mic and everybody's just like booing her, like telling telling her to get off the stage, get off the stage. She grabs the mic and she's like, suck my dick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. And at the time, security just grabbed her as she said dick. She's like, suck my dick and pulling her away from the stage. Oh, my God. That was pretty amazing. I hope somebody was recording that. They did. Someone sent us a video. Actually, we meant to upload it. Yeah, we're gonna post it soon. Oh <laughs> man, that's awesome. See, okay, so that was that was gonna be one of my next questions. Is what is was one of what are uh, do you have any tour nightmares? Any any insane horrible accidents that happen on stage where you just almost want to throw in the towel? And we had one of those moments too. 
but yeah. it was during sound check, so we were able to fix it in time. Oh, that's but good. he went to go plug his uh, cable into one of his pedals. Yeah. And the pedal just completely fell apart in his hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like crumbled. But oh, it's one yeah. you can't buy jack. anymore. Like it's a discontinued pedal. But oh, we have no. backups of it for that reason. But it was like, ah. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> of our sound so that yeah. was a little scary that's the little things like that happen so often like there's always these like technical issues because there's so much set up and tear down in such short periods of time and it's like stuff just gets like pulled on kicked around spat on like it's yeah. just it's always a mess it's like carny but, ride uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man yeah i imagine you don't you have a very limited time to get that stuff in and out yeah, yeah. So. We've, had, we've had some stuff on stage though where I had a guitar die on me like mid song. The, the, I don't know what happened. Like the the jack and the inside just disconnected. I think we were playing with Seether that night, and it was just like mid song. I got no guitar, and oh, I'm like geez. looking at all the other stuff. And for us, if my guitar goes out, it's like drum solo. Yeah. <laughs> No. So we're like I'm just kind of scrambling and then at the end it's like I told Renee the guitar is dead so I grabbed like another one we had to kind of smooth it over with the crowd and everybody like understood it's like oh, you get man. technical problems there's nothing you can do like a guitar dies on you you just gotta tell everybody like my guitar's dead yeah. <laughs> sorry I'm sorry yeah exactly that one there's like somebody filmed us playing Victoria and we had, this is, this is probably the biggest disaster before we go. This is probably the biggest disaster All I've right. ever experienced. So we, it was a flyout gig and uh, we didn't bring like our sound guy with us. He's like, Oh, the sound guy's great. You'll be like, he knows the guy. He's like, you you guys are good. It's just a one-off flyout early festival. And we are like, okay, cool. And then we set up, we were like, everything was all good. And we start performing and there's like a ton of people and, uh, and the my monitors are screaming at me, like just like so much so that like I'm getting like dizzy. That's how loud these things are just belting at me. <laughs> oh wow! And I try to pull away and I can't focus. I'm like I, I can I can't perform. I can't hear anything. And I'm looking over at the monitor guy. And this is like a, a great festival. The it's like best big festival. Stage. Like, it's, it's like a ton of people. We're playing to like. So many, there's a couple thousand people or something is like, just like, and I can't, I have no idea where we are in the song or anything because I'm like, oh like these monitors, and I'm looking over at the monitor guy, and he's gone. There's nobody there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's what? tons of people. It was so bad. Like we finished the set. I don't know where where I was like vocally and stuff. But it was like this was a disaster. Wow. And then um, we finished the set and we set and we left the stage and the side of my head was numb for like a day and a half because oh. of the sound just beating at me. Oh my god! That's the worst experience ever. <laughs> the, yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. For me. Man. He's played before too. Or if the mic is poorly grounded, it will shock him oh, every yeah. time close to it i've always yeah. wondered about that because i've heard horror stories about that like i remember oh. i think i was reading neil young's book um uh shaky and i think he, he was talking about how he the first time he met bob dylan they were on stage together and they went to hug and both of their guitars kind of got close <laughs> and then they shocked and they and it blew him back and then they got up and then they did it again that's, <laughs> ins that's insane but that's I've always wondered how the hell does that work? I mean, is that is that a, a regular occurrence or is that rare that you guys get shocked? Yeah, it, 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 there's some 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 places like if if things aren't plugged in properly, there's bad grounding and it's just circling oh. system and it's like so when you go up to the microphone, it's like literally like zapping you <laughs> in the face. As if it's trying to say, yeah, is it painful? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My. Not fun at all. Oh, it's like sticking uh, your finger in a light socket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yes. Not that I've done that, but yeah. So. It kind of feels like quickly like a bee sting, but it doesn't stay. 
Like it's not like it, it doesn't sustain like a beast yeah. thing. It just it's just like and you're like you know you gotta. <laughs> what do you do now? What do you do in that situation? Because you gotta you gotta sing. You try to get it. You try to get that shit cleared up. Sound. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, okay. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't. Then it's just like you just tell the, tell the uh, front of house to turn up the vocal mic and take a few steps. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! See, I'm learning. I learned something with this show. That's that's uh, that's one reason I love talking to you guys. So you just finished up a, a tour with Sebastian Bach, and prior to that, you were on tour with uh, two of my favorite bands of all time, Our Lady Peace and I Mother Earth. Did, and that was mainly, or was it completely Canada? That was completely okay. How often do you guys get down to uh, good old U.S. here? Because Sebastian tour was probably our first. Yeah. Dip into the States. We've done like like individual showcases and bigger markets, but that was the first time we've actually toured. Did you notice yeah. any difference in any of the crowds compared to the Canadian crowds? Or It's a, it's a little more hardcore in that genre. Like I feel in the States um, with Sebastian, like he's got, uh, he's got some hardcore skid fans. Like, yeah. Big so time. in the states we see it's a little bit like it's a little more hardcore than like a lot of pockets in Canada. Like in Canada, it's um, uh, the, we don't get as many shows and as many bigger artists as much as the states. So right. um, when somebody like Sebastian comes through and he's got uh, the celebrity status that he does and, and stuff, so he comes through and you, there's all sorts of different people coming out. And you, you still have that hardcore fan base, but you get a lot of mixed people within the areas that they don't get a lot of shows. They just want to see shows. And yeah. it's like they might have a few songs, but they don't have to be that hardcore. Where Sebastian in the States, it's like, these are fucking hardcore Sebastian. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's, so, been, he's been doing it a cool. long time. Yeah, it's cool. Like it's, it's, it's definitely different in, in that, in that way. And, uh, which I imagine is probably the same within other acts and genres, the comparison uh, or comparable differences between the States and Canada. But I, it's, I loved playing the U S like I feel that uh, in Canada, the, the sort of edge that we're playing in rock right now, like very riff based and kind of like very punchy and stuff um, in Canada, there's a lot of softer stuff that's more, kind of the the alternative side of the alternative pop is very big in Canada. Okay. Like it's just it's like it's not as there they don't there's not a huge amount of people that uh gravitate towards the heavier sound. Um but it's like I it's for the States it's so much fun to play because of the fact that it's like that hard rock stuff, the stuff that we're doing is just like it's right in the same wheelhouse of, of what a lot of people in the States and a huge market in the States love. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, it's really cool to get that connection and to now see that it works. And instead of hearing from other people, like you guys got to get to the States, you got to, <laughs> you're going to love what you do. And then it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta see it firsthand. But yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, now we're just like <laughs> going to the states all the time. Yeah. Well, you, you guys just played the Viper Room, right? I mean, that's a yeah. that's a that's a, a pretty big deal. I mean, that's like going to the East Coast and playing the Stone Pony. I mean, that's a how was how was the reception at the Viper Room? It was awesome. Good. Yeah, it was really cool. It's being a, a, a duo. You've got that. You've got to fill out that sound live. I know you've got some things in your in your studio recordings, like harmonicas and. And some organ and all. Is it difficult to to fill in those spaces when you play live? No. (laughs) (laughs) We we would sometimes bring the harmonica player out on some stuff. And like, you know what it really comes down to for us? It's just the energy that we're bringing to the songs. Like it's it's, you know, we we have the these moments will stretch out a little longer and other moments will just like hit, hit it faster and like heavier. And like, we're bringing 
more jammy stuff to to the stage as well you know like we'll we'll have little added things in the songs that just showcase like different sort of time change cool stuff to kind of keep the flow and uh we've just we've been doing it for quite some time now that we we've seen both ends where we've had guest people come in and do other things to fill out the sound and those shows never get the response like it does when it's just renee and i just like crushing it as hard as we can just oh, the two wow. of them. so it's that's always been our our thing it's almost like sort of punk rock mentality just come out and just kill it yeah and then it's like then leave and just that's it instead of bringing the extra elements of what we have on the album we only put those elements on the album to uh dress it up and give like for, for us the album experience the audible experience needs candy because right. it kind of keeps you going back, and then like we, the, some of the players that we brought in are next level. The the guy, the harmonica guy, Paul Reddick, he's this like uh, harp virtuoso. He's just phenomenal. So to have him to be able to come in and put his little touch here and there on things was just like we want people to hear other layers and like different tastes and stuff like that. But yeah. Well- I think- smart about it too in the sense that we weren't really giving them solos right it was more so they were just playing to the music like yeah. i think it was Orly. except soul taker except soul taker we're like, like paul rip it yeah the rest of the time it's like can you kind of follow the bass line in this yeah and the guitar or like mm-hmm. i think or yeah orleans the harmonica is following the guitar so it's doing the same thing so you don't miss it live okay that makes sense. sense. That makes yeah. sense. And that, that that was, I'm sure like a lot of people, the first song that I heard from you. Um, I followed Amir on Facebook for a while. I, I liked what he did with Zygote and Crash Karma. So what I would do is I would find these guys in these bands and I would shoot them a friend request just to see what they're doing when, you know, other side projects. You mentioned doing, you know, being fans of grunge. That was an era where so many bands just got members just branched off and did these other little projects. You know, you had Pearl Jam doing Mad Season, Temple of the Dog came out, you know, be- before Pearl Jam even came out. And they had all these different little bands. And so I would f- try to kind of, I-, I guess, befriend these guys on Facebook, not bug them or j- just ch- so I know they're there. And if they put something out, I can say, all right, that's something I got to get because I'm a completist. If I like you, I got to get everything you've done. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I would I would do that, and that's how I found you guys. Amir had posted uh, the video to Orleans, and I'm, oh my gosh, that that is badass. There's two people making that noise. That's amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, and and after that, I've just been trying to follow you guys as, as much as I can, hoping you guys come down to the states to tour once in a while, because so I can actually see you guys live. Because seen some of the videos on YouTube and the fan shot ones, you know, you never know what you're gonna get with the audio quality. So I'm always Hoping I can actually get a chance to see you guys. Yeah. But, Washington, yeah, DC. Yeah, just yeah. just outside of DC. Just I'm not in the belly of the beast. I'm kind of like in the kidneys of the beast. I'm about <laughs> 90 miles out, but uh, yeah. easy enough to get in for a show. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you'd mentioned that one night when you you had a, a pedal cl- just disintegrate in your hand. Are you Johnny? Are you a, like a gearhead for with with your rig? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite piece of equipment? Yeah, he's tried about every pedal once. <laughs> um, uh, I have a couple. I have there's there's I have like uh, uh, like I I love uh, fuzz pedals, but the combination of like fuzz pedals uh, being pushed by octave pedals and like uh, I have like a new toy. Um, that it's like a, a multi effects pedal thing, but, okay. uh, gives me the option to do a lot of combinations. So now I can build like a, a completely different sound for like little pieces in the songs and stuff. So I'm using kind of this multi effect pedal to develop my own little kind of sounds and textures. That's okay. a lot of fun really really addictive but I'm I, I love like doing things different with pedals that you're not supposed to
because to me it's it, for us um i it's it's exciting to be able to use the, all of that space in a way that it's like you know there's there's so there's ways of of piecing pedals together that they're supposed to react a certain way and and uh and that kind of has its, its place sometimes with with bands that have more members and stuff because you can't have a completely chaotic sound right. taking all, all these frequencies and stuff and like uh, that's going to take up the sound of the other instruments so the 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 multi effects thing for sure is is one of my favorites and then the fuzz uh, i love fuzz pedals <laughs> Because it's like the, the bigger, the dirtier, the better for us. Because it's all the crackling and all of that stuff that's happening. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's like right up front. There's nothing else taking that space except that huge crackling fuzz pedal. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite fuzz? I like I like old Big Muffs. Like, wow. I, don't, uh, I don't like the new one. The, 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 the pie? New, like, yeah, it's like they—they all the new ones that they're they're producing now. I'm not a fan of as much as the old ones. Like the I like the old discontinued. Those ones are just like the, you don't even need a volume boost or anything. Like <laughs> it, it's just like boom, explodes. Like oh yeah, it's incredible. That's my favorite stuff. The older stuff. When you go into record, do you have most of the songs worked out? I mean, I, or are you, are you figuring things out in the studio or? I know you just you guys just completed your your full your uh, a full length album. <laughs> I don't I don't know which one it is. We'll just say a full length album. So uh, when you went in, did you have all the songs worked out, or did you do a lot of, any jamming in the studio, trying to figure things out, come up with new songs on the fly? Or it's um it's kind of a tedious process. We'll have stuff worked out, and then we'll pre production work it out some more. And then we'll go in to the studio and then work out details and stuff while we're in there. But okay. it starts it starts with us in the in our jam space, and basically the songs are ninety percent there. Okay. And then the last, but the last ten percent can be the hardest part because it's like that's when it's if it oh, if it doesn't feel complete it's like we'll lose sleep over it. <laughs> so oh. it's, yeah. yeah, I. I I just had a question that just flew right out of my head. What the hell? I'm telling this is uh I gotta stop drinking during these interviews, that's that's for sure. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> what you gonna do? Yeah, well you know, I just I kinda threw something together on the fly here. So kinda like uh, I was jamming with alcohol. Yeah. So, absolutely. So what are you guys drinking tonight, by the way? I see Renee take a couple sips. Oh, I just have water right now. We're oh. out of we I need a break. Actually, I need a break today. I had beer already, but <laughs> I like tequila. That there you go, right here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So smiley. Yeah, exactly. I gotta, you know, I gotta listen. See, and that, that's part of why I call this show performance anxiety is because most of it is actually mine. Talking with with some of the the you know the people that I really admire and people that I like, uh, whose music I really enjoy. So I gotta. It's once in a while, not all, not every show. In fact, one show, I was uh, talking to somebody. I don't remember. I don't remember who it was. But throughout the show, you can hear my drink clinking. As <laughs> you can hear the ice in the glass clinking as I'm as I'm trying to ask a question. I'm like so, uh, clink clink clink. What do you? How do you get this sound? Clink clink. Anyway, <laughs> so your new album's coming out. Uh, your first, your the last EP that you guys did from the Devil's Porch. It's, it's pretty straightforward rock i mean it's it's a pretty heavy ep it's it's really in your face and 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 sounds amazing are you did you guys take any left turns with this album did you do anything any led zeppelin three where you suddenly go acoustic or something or throw in some you know edm or something we did that's exactly what we did (laughs) (laughs) you nailed it yes Breaking news. Yeah, that 
established our goal this time was just like we uh, from the Devil's Forge to us was just like it was we love it like it's slamming we love yeah. like Eric Ratz's mix is just so big and like it's just awesome and then this time around uh, we wanted to push ourselves in something we weren't comfortable with so we basically just like okay how can we achieve the heaviness still but do a lot of different things you know like do have a different mixer and like a different engineer working with different people that do different things and what are they really good at and how do we get those things that they're really good at to shine through on the album and also to have like their creative input uh, right. like the the mixer he he was doing a lot of really different things um with uh airport gear and like mixing like breathing with the board you know, like moving, like okay. just doing all the school passes on a lot of retro gear, a lot of stuff that's, it was all like done in Nashville. So we're using a lot of the gear in Nashville. Oh, wow. Something very, a little more artistic and uh, taking chances uh, on this album. Then with From the Devil's Porch, it was just like, we, we, we kind of came into it. It was a quicker process. And, uh, and then when it came time to work with rats to mix, it was just like, dude, just do what you do. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's so great at. It's just yeah. like, all right, he gets in. And then we just like, you know, when everything was finished, we'd like crank it up and just be like, wow. But uh, it, I think as artists, like, it's always trying to, we're always trying to do something a little bit different and then try to, trust our judgment and, and um, um, what we have learned through being great listeners as well and then trying to bring that to the table. Yeah, we really pushed the psychedelics on this record too. Like I think we specifically picked the mixer we did. His name's Eddie Spear because he had a cool throwback sound to him oh. and he was using outboard gear and it was pushing the psychedelic side of everything yeah. that we wrote. So it was an experience alone just to sit there and see him, you know, run this delay machine that was on a Pink Floyd record. And it was like, wow, from Abbey Studios or whatever. It was like, this is insane. That's amazing. Oh my so gosh. We, like, we knew we had, um, like, we wrote singles, like, we wrote songs that could be singles, but then we had a lot of stuff that just had like a cool groove to it or like a really cool lick. And it's like, well, we can't let this go. Like, we got to put this on the record. It's just a really cool. <laughs> Which actually originally Orleans was that song. We never thought that was going to be a single. Yeah. When so, they brought it to us and said that, we were like, "Are you sure? Yes. Like, I don't see we like, it." We love to play it. Yeah. But... <laughs> so is it the who picks the singles? Is it the 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 record label? Is it your management? Is it you guys? Or kind of a kind of a, yeah, everyone. Yeah, everyone gets together and kind of it talks it over. People give their opinions, and it just like we look at what's what is kind of. Um, I guess the, the songs that people talk about the most, and it's like we'll break those ones or what feels like it. And then our, we have we also have somebody who works radio at the label, and she she will kind of like have the like the last say. And if she's like really really against it, she's she's got to believe in it to go to yeah. radio. But uh, she she's got she's pretty well this on the same page with everybody else about which songs. Should yeah. be singles and what, and what shouldn't. But uh, I don't know. Who knows, right? Like, yeah, it's so hard. It's, like, it's honestly you never so really. Hard to say. Yeah, it's like because it, it's to me. It's always like, well, let's just release the album and see which ones are the most popular. And yeah. then video. It's like there's your singles, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's not. It's not. It's not like that anymore. But uh, it's not as easy as that. Yeah, and I think our next single, Black Hill Creek, is a good example of that because. It was something we always thought was a single, but then the label was like, oh, I don't know. I think these songs might be better. But then we play it live, and it's the biggest reaction we get is from that song. So it's like, is this, they're trying to tell us something here. Like, yeah. oh, we're releasing it next week as a single, which is exciting. Cause I we, did hear the clip. Yeah. The, yeah, the, we brought the cowbell back. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So in, on the new album, you said you, you guys pushed the psychedelic side a little bit. Did you get a chance to stretch the songs out a little bit? Uh, I know From the Devil's Porch is what, six songs, about 22, 24 minutes, something like that. Did you guys ever stretch these songs out a little bit? The last one, for sure. The last track. Yeah, yeah. the long one. Yeah, and uh, but I don't know. It's uh, I, I think that we we don't really we kind of just let the song do its thing like for a lot of times we're surprised like this new album we have one track i think it's like two and a half minutes and we're surprised <laughs> like we're just like shocked by the time it's done like we're just like because it's like you never really know when you're when you're writing it and performing it how long it's going to be but usually we, we land about that three minute mark right and uh but uh for us, it's like if it's if it's a minute and a half, but it's perfect at a minute and a half, we'll keep it a minute and a half. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's at five minutes, then it's perfect at five minutes. But it's uh, this this time around, I think there was just the one that's like a little bit longer and extended at the end. We we yeah. pushed that one. We intentionally made it longer because it's the end of the album, and there's kind of a fade out thing that happens and fade in thing that happens. And, oh, cool! And just like yeah. Well, I'm really anxious to hear it. <laughs> so, Renee, I saw in an interview that you had mentioned that the song, uh, the uh, album, I, sh- I should say, you defined it as if Clint Eastwood had a sound. Yeah. Now, but is that, are we talking like Spaghetti Western Clint, Dirty Harry, yeah. Grand Torino, or are we talking like Trouble with the Curve Clint? All of it. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the best. That's the perfect answer. All right. I like it. Now I'm really anxious to hear. In all of his roles, but yeah, no, it's more the spaghetti western. Like oh. a lot of the lyrics on the record are spaghetti western type themes. Like you can see like remnants of like Jesse James. Like one song was called "Shaker Down." It's definitely about robbing trains. Oh, cool! It's a cool tune, yeah. And then there's a bit of a Bonnie and Clyde feel in another song, and it's just. I don't know, it's, it's fun lyrically, but then it also translates to today, too. Like, we kind of kept things kind of not obvious, I guess. Okay. So a little Ennio Morricone feel? We actually talked about, like, doing acoustic versions of the songs and then bringing in a composer and doing all that. That's... Like, I thought that would be pretty sweet. That would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. That would be so cool. I just want to bring up one more subject, and I'll let you guys go. I know I've had you for quite a while here. But uh, can you guys tell me a little bit about your involvement with uh, World Vision? How did that get started and what is that all about? And I know you guys recently went to uh, Africa. So if you yeah. tell me a little bit about what that's all about, how you got involved and, and how yeah, other people get started. Yeah. We'd love to. Thanks for asking, actually. That's uh, it's something that we, we are very passionate about, love to talk about. So, Well, the floor is yours. Tell me all about it. Renee, would you like to start? <laughs> All sounds from your brother, right? So yeah, okay. I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll start it off, and you can kind of give your pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, because we had the uh, tour set up with Our Lady Peace and I Mother Earth at the time. Um, my brother is working with um, artists with World Vision and partnering up and helping to create movements to help. Uh, a lot of different places that are, that are extremely in need for assistance. And uh, so we we got on this tour and we thought this would be the perfect opportunity. Or my, my brother Mike approached us and he thought it would be the perfect opportunity for us to get together to try to do something. Because we're on uh, bigger stages, you know, playing arenas. We have that microphone to all these people we can talk, we can talk to and we had chatted in the past prior to the to the um, to the tour and learning about everything that he does and uh, and the changes that are being made. So we would see like he'd have video footage like on his phone and photos and everything like that. And and it was it was really amazing. And we always talked about like doing something more, ever having the chance to do something more that we would just jump at the opportunity. Right. And uh, so we got together with him. And uh, and then Edwin on, from I'm Mother Earth jumped on board to uh, to help as well. So we kind of all like us with Edwin 
we're able to discuss some of the issues on the mic during the tour and okay. uh, letting people know like this is part of the tour we want to we want to help these people and uh, letting them know some of the some of the conditions that have to do with just even fresh water we're trying to get get them like fresh drinking waters because they're they're so sick and getting sicker right and, uh, so uh, it was it was something that I think was very life changing, both in the experience of seeing the reaction and the support that fans were um, that they were giving at these concerts and at these shows, and seeing how many kids were getting sponsored and uh, how many people were donating uh, money to for fresh water and uh, fresh water wells. And uh, Renee also put up a uh, is it a draw for like a, a drum skin signed by all the drummers? Yeah, oh, cool. I partnered up with Dario and they sent me a bunch of drum heads. Mm-hmm. And I actually managed to get Our Lady Peace to sign it too. So all the members of the tour signed the drum heads. Oh, yeah. Wow. And it's just pay what you can. You put it in the donation box and you get a ballot. And mm-hmm. at the end of the night, we would draw the ballot and that person yeah. would go home with it and stuff. So we made That's that awesome. alone raised enough to dig two wells, which was crazy. Wow. Yeah. It yeah. was it was a really moving experience on when you'd find out like night after night it's like oh these many kids got sponsored and like this like you know like this is how much money was raised and it's just like we were just beside ourselves for the you know like just to see that all kind of people just kind of come out and and be a part of that to us because we didn't know how it was gonna go like yeah. I don't know you never would you know we knew how passionate we are about. Uh, making a change, but to get in front of a lot of people that are there for the rock show, and all of a sudden we're talking about world vision. Yeah, <laughs> digging wells in Africa. I then, you know, Nikai Zimbabwe, and it's like, but we knew that it was a big stage, and this is a really great opportunity, so why not That's a really give good people the opportunity too, right? to get behind it? Yeah. So it was, uh, after the tour was finished, um, it was very successful. So we, uh, World Vision approached us about going to visit uh, the community of Nakai in Zimbabwe and then having an uh, opportunity to bring out somebody that would film all the stuff so we could show people firsthand, like, these are the changes being made. Like, this is what you did. Like, these are all the people that are grateful for everything that you guys are, are helping with. And uh, so when when we went down there, it was just like it was it was groundbreaking the, the change that the fans made, and that change continues to happen. But for us to just be a part of that, to kind of just be a, a fly on the wall for the most part, like you know we're staying so much and doing so much, but it's really the community that is putting all the real effort and building new structures and and uh, and making the changes, of building the wells, and then just. You know, giving people the most people in need, uh, like a goat first before this other family gets a goat, and everybody trying to help and work towards it. Right. Um, and, and just uh, meeting the kids too, like it's amazing. Yeah. They have so much life and spirit in them. Like they're all smiling and running, <laughs> like, all laughs, and it was just such a cool experience. You yeah. sponsor a, a child, and you got to meet that child. Am I right with yeah. that? Ayenda was, uh, it was his birthday, the first show of the tour. Oh, wow. So we picked him, Michael, this, just to mark the tour, right? So, yeah. yeah, and to meet him was pretty funny. Like, he was just really shy and had no, he had no idea we were coming, right? Yeah. So oh, he was wow. just kind of, like, surprised yeah. by it. We showed up in his classroom. He yeah. was in school. <laughs> yeah, he was in class. <laughs> we all came in. It was like, that guy had the video camera and stuff, and everyone's like, what's happening? <laughs> That is amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. So how can... And then it was cool because everyone else got to see, like, if they were sponsored children were in the same classroom, they everyone got to see them. And, oh, and all the kids knew their names and where they were from. And if you wrote them a letter, they cherish it. Like, oh, they know everything wow. about you. They hang on to everything. It's just, it's so cool. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how can other, how can people get involved with that? Do you have a website where, where you, people can sign up to sponsor some children yeah. or... Donate. Yeah. So on our website, if you go to the homepage, you'll see a tab at the top that says the movement, and it says Nakai Zimbabwe, and 
everything's on there. All the video footage we took, all the photos we took, like the whole experience is there. And then at the bottom, it says like, there's a button where you can go to a link and be a part of it, whether it's through donation or child mm-hmm. sponsorship or any of that. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, and the website, you guys' website is? Thestandstills.com. All right, perfect. Yeah. Well, guys, I really appreciate you coming on uh, Performance Anxiety with me tonight. I've, it's been great talking to you guys, learning more about you and, and uh, finding out more about, and I, I think I can be accurate when I say this, the preeminent rock and roll duo in North America. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> what do you end up doing on the road when you guys aren't actually performing? You guys watch any sports, you do a lot of reading. What do you end up doing? We change it up. We try to... If we there is a little bit of time, we'll try to like look up certain things in different areas, like kind of the ghosty spots or like. <laughs> yeah. we we went through Nebraska, and I was just kind of like, "What's there to do in Nebraska?" And it's like home of Buffalo Bill. I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> it ties in with everything." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my old west stuff. How could you not? Yeah, exactly. But then someone just told us about uh, Atlas Obscura. I don't know if you know about that. I've heard of that. Why do I know that? So it's a website and you can like click on things near me and it's just all things obscure. So oh. people in their own blogs about things they saw that maybe are off the beaten path. Like I think it was in California. It was weed, California. <laughs> and there was a, a Bigfoot trap that was in the woods that the state troopers actually built when oh the first sightings of Bigfoot. So the trap is still there, but oh my. Was. like you wouldn't know it was there, yeah. but it was on Atlas Obscura. So I was like, this is funny. That's amazing. Can you go and see it? Somewhere? I mean, yeah. yeah, it just, it's just this little wooden cabin with a case of kokanee. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's my hard. gosh. Yeah. Well, they thought, <laughs> Adam, hook, line, and sinker. But that's <laughs> <laughs> what this guy wants. He wants a case of beer in a cabin. They, that's be a part of society. That's Why it. do you care about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> that's all he needs. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, I'm going to have to check that out next time I travel. And when you guys come out, maybe uh, if you guys come out before next hockey season, you guys can come out and visit the Stanley Cup. Yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> oh, I think it's actually headed back to the Hall of Fame now. That's what. That's a, That's one thing I learned. I do a sports podcast too. If you guys ever, if you guys listen to any sports, I, I do a, a. It's mostly comedy, but it's also supposed to be sports. But um, my buddy is a producer for Comedy Central, and another friend of mine is he's an indie movie producer, and his brother's an actor, and all of it. We do a, a podcast that's all sports and just goofing on each other we rip on each other for an hour and it's we make fun of just about every sports team imaginable but um <laughs> so if you ever bored it it's a eight ball sports show it's on it's on itunes and stitcher and all those places so it's it's cool. just it's it's just an hour of stupidity basically but yeah. you guys a day with the super bowl <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it's you know <laughs> dc is just they signed eight washington dc just signed eight i don't know if you guys follow nfl at all but, Barely. I'm, I'm a big Super Bowl fan, but outside of that, like my dad's a big Cowboys fan. Oh, uh, I grew up. A, OK, yeah, I grew up a huge Cowboys fan and, and now I'm more college. football. I, I lived in Alabama for years. And my brother went to school there, so I follow Alabama college football. But my uh, yeah. my dad, and my Mich- brother. What's that? Michigan. Oh, no. <laughs> Harbaugh. Oh, oh, blue. Man, Harbaugh doesn't pick it up. He might he might be on the hot seat pretty soon. So, and if you if you ever bored and you want to hear some music stuff, you can listen to this show, Performance Anxiety. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, thank you so much. I I promise I will let you guys have the rest of your night now. Thank you guys so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Oh yeah, okay, cool man. So thank you, you for. A crooked, broken crown that steers them. We're gonna come back around the rise of the fall. When they stripped away all that was yours, and they left you all in pain and torn. We're gonna come back around the rise of the fall. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 